0: You're listening to episode 192 of the FITS Pro Podcast, and today we are going over what lifting ratios are and how much you should essentially care about them, whether you are a coach or a trainer. If you are a coach, then hopefully you can relay to your trainees um, why, why these matter, how much they should care about them, and maybe provide some context if you are giving your clients... Different ratios, or trying to get them to a certain ratio, when it comes to you know deadlift versus squat or single leg work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We are diving into all of that today. So without further ado, let's dive in. The Fitz Pro Podcast is your no BS approach to seeking out truth in the world that is online health and fitness. You'll see through the lens of the trainer, the trainee, and the entrepreneur. I'm your host, Annie Miller certified strength and conditioning specialist, entrepreneur, lover of sleep, lattes, and dinosaurs, aka not your average fitspo. And my aim is to help you grow your mind, body, and business through knowledge and authenticity so that you too can become a fitspro. First off, I would like to thank the sponsor of the podcast, which is Legion Athletics. I have so enjoyed using their products again in my postpartum period. I'm not yet using creatine, but I guarantee that there is, I don't guarantee. I would assume there are studies coming out that support the use of creatine in the postpartum period, maybe even through pregnancy. Um, I am hard pressed to think of a reason that there would be a negative benefit, but obviously don't quote that. This is not backed by science. I'm just thinking that creatine has so many, um, even cognitive benefits, that it would be beneficial in the postpartum period. But I don't know how much of it crosses into the breast milk or in pregnancy, how much of it crosses into the placenta, etc., etc. Who knows, but I cannot wait until I am done breastfeeding to use creatine again, because it just makes such a difference in your lifts. If you've ever used creatine and not used creatine, you know that it is one of the supplements, in my opinion, that actually makes a tangible difference in your training. So if you have not yet dabbled in creatine, it is one of the most, if not the most researched and supported supplements on the market, in strength and conditioning. Legions is amazing, in my opinion. It doesn't have any extra crap in it. You can get unflavored versions if you would like to, and just mix it in with your protein. Do as you please, but... That's all to say I have very much so enjoyed my whey protein throughout pregnancy and in my postpartum period, it allows me to get more protein, which is a difficult thing to do with the amount of breastfeeding and caloric output that I currently have. So um, if you would like 20% off your first order, use code Annie at checkout. You can also get double Legion reward points if you are currently a customer, but you would still like to use my code. They have a hundred percent money back guarantee, free shipping. So do all of the things, use code Annie at checkout, go to buylegion.com and use code Annie. It's no secret that I think that lifting weights is the best. I have a literal barbell tattooed on my body. You hopefully know that that is my philosophy right now, that weightlifting and movement is not a season, but something that we ideally do, you know, as a part of our days until our life comes to an end. Muscle mass is king, mobility is arguably also king, and we get both of these through strength training, or we can get both of these through well-programmed strength training. But there are certain ratios to be considered in what I would call traditional strength training that need to be considered for this kind of long haul journey of slinging around the weights. So today we discuss the deadlift, the back squat, the front squat, step-ups, specifically barbell step-ups. Mind you, I am not a medical professional, and this episode should not take the place of diagnosis or direction from a medical professional. Please consult uh, physical therapists, chiropractors, any other medical professional before making any changes to your training from what you are normally doing. So, for instance, in pure programming, which is my long term periodization strength and hypertrophy course for program design, I give coaches options for different assessments that they can independently research and use with their clients. They are not my assessments. They are well-known, tried and true, peer-reviewed assessments in the industry that they can kind of pick and choose from based on the information that they need to find for their clients and the type of training that they do. Some require further certification and training, but you know would totally be within their scope as a trainer to use if certified. Today, we are discussing general standards and metrics for strength and strength balance between both movements. So again, that comparison between, you know, what should a deadlift be? What should a squat be in comparison to one another, as well as right and left discrepancies when programming for the masses. So we can call this templated programming versus individual. It can be very beneficial to think you know, quote unquote, balanced or common issues and desires of whomever you're programming for. So very generally speaking, that might look like the following. If you're taking notes, take notes. If not, just make a mental note. Hinging would be two to three patterns per week. Okay. So main lift and accessory patterns count there for hinging two to three. Squat would be two. Again, main lift and accessory patterns push and pull are both two. So you have vertical and horizontal. I would do one of each of those. And that makes up the two for pushing and pulling and then carrying one or similar ratios to these again, think balanced, especially when going for the masses. So not every program needs to look like that by any means, but when we are looking at just balance, that is what we are going for. Two to three hinge, two squat, two push, two pull, one carry. These are your areas of focus for volume of each pattern per week. Note that I didn't say per day, but per pattern per week. Think very broad. And please don't stress over this. This isn't going to make or break your progress over a decade if programming doesn't fall perfectly into these ratios. That is not the point of this at all. It's just a starting point for what an overall balanced program might look like. So how did I come up with that? First off, hinging, think of a deadlift, should be stronger than squatting patterns. So potentially more focus there. And then I'd speculate after years of training humans in person, online, and in the athletic space, as well as gen pop, that most people tend to be quad dominant, right? That was a buzzword a few years ago, but it has merit. And they often have weak posterior chains overall. So hamstrings, glutes, low back, all weak. And if it's not weak, they at least have a lack of awareness in the posterior chain. So hinging gets two to three points of focus. Squatting gets two points of focus and we balance out vertical and horizontal pressing and pulling. That's how we got that two to three hinge, two squat, two push, two pull, one carry. Then we have at least one day of, like I said, a carry variation for good measure. This could be carry, this could be any core work, anti-rotation, anti-flexion likely for most people. But yes, also we want to eventually get into active rotation and flexion. You could very easily add two or three carries or more carry options. It's not likely going to be detrimental to your programming. And generally core work is needed, whether it is in the form of, like I said, a carry or not. Remember to also think of patterns versus like one specific exercise. I've talked about this before on Instagram and other platforms. I throw in hip thrusts with hinging. Hinging is not restricted to deadlifts only. We have options, my friends, and I want you to use those options. I want you to think outside the box. When I say points of focus, I mean large compound movements per week. So that can be unilateral or bilateral, but a compound heavily loaded version of these patterns is being hit for that number per week, that number being two to three hinge, two squat, et cetera, et cetera. Thus, you have identified what a balanced program might look like. That's lovely. Nothing wrong with that. It's how I largely structured my signature built by Annie program, but please feel free to think about how you could choose or create a training split that favors vertical pulling for a phase or posterior chain work for a phase or squatting patterns, targeting the quads, even more core work. This, that's all game. That's all okay. For females, We can talk about some some actual loading ratios here now, some expectations that we can build towards uh, or want to keep in mind when programming. So for females, there are what I consider to be decent strength standards from novice to advanced based on working with and observing women over a decade from college athletics to CrossFit to general population, my, my own experience. Take them with a grain of salt, as many grains of salt as you see fit. So for advanced women, some metrics that you could attempt to hit for a balanced, uh, strength physique, I don't want to say balanced physique as in like what they would look like, but balanced function would be two times body weight, back squat, two and a half times deadlift, uh, one times body weight, bench press 75% body weight overhead press. Those are for an advanced woman, right? That, that crosses into advanced. Now an advanced woman could lift way more than that as well, but that's kind of like the, the bottom, the threshold for advanced. Intermediate would be one times body weight back squat to one and a half times body weight back squat, 80 to hundred percent body weight bench, one and a half times body weight deadlift to two times body weight deadlift, 60% to 70%, uh, body weight overhead press. Now for a novice woman, it's basically under all of those. So under 60% body weight back squat, under 70% uh, body weight bench, 70 to 80% body weight deadlift, lower than 50% body weight overhead press. When you couple strength standards with the ratios that you quote unquote should be able to perform for deadlift versus back squat, et cetera, it can get a little bit murky. So I don't want you to stress out too much. That's why I shared the generalized broad view of need to know standards for most humans. Humans are generally stronger in the eccentric phase than they are in the concentric phase. Typically stronger pulling than pushing. Humans have a larger capacity for strength in horizontal pressing than they do in vertical pressing. So think bench press versus overhead press. Generally speaking, Reps performed at any weight on both legs should be equal. Same goes for single arm overhead, pressing, single arm row, any unilateral work. Ideally, we want the same strength and capacity in both limbs. We want balance of strength and capacity across the entire body. If we can get there, this is how we address strength and balances in a very simple way within your program design. Now we don't have these findings as a coach if we don't have an assessment of some kind or an assessment was not given. So if you have templated programs, that's fine. You can kind of give this as a generalization in a client portal or some kind of education, onboarding, etc. You can also just find this, you know, within your program design, you may find this in your clients. We have a good idea of what it looks like to generally achieve strength balance throughout the body. I just went over those ratios. That is important for the long haul, but also remember that these numbers are not definite. We see this across athletics all the time. Some people are just anatomically made for the deadlift or they are anatomically made for squats and their strength numbers will demonstrate that, what they have a predisposition to. This is genetics. This is bio-individuality. Maybe they have a much larger gap between deadlifts and squats then what is ideal. Maybe it's really close to one another. Maybe they can almost squat as much they can deadlift. They either can maybe have a weak deadlift or their body just favors squats. Those are not the same thing. If squats are stronger than deadlifts, then we likely need to work on the hinging strength or it wouldn't hurt to work on the hinging strength just to balance out that strength balance like we talked about. Someone should be stronger, should be able to pull more weight off the floor than they can squat most people. So the power of unilateral work for side to side discrepancy is massive. I am a huge fan of this, huge fan of unilateral work in general. I think it's missing in a lot of sports and strength and conditioning. I remember when Mike Boyle blew my little baby trainer mind back in 2013 or 2014 with the, he's very well known for the generalized statement that athletes don't need to squat bilaterally. Not only do they not need to back squat, they don't need to squat bilaterally. I was team, if you can squat, you should squat, period, end of story, which obviously as a younger trainer, I had much more black and white philosophies that become much more gray as you progress and mature. While I do still believe that everyone should squat in some capacity, my actual definition of squat is not restricted to a singular bilateral back squat. Remember that now I am much more in the boat of patterns over singular exercises. If you've ever researched Mike Boyle or never researched him, look him up. Um, I will put a link in the show notes to a blog that you can read. It is the unilateral training and the bilateral deficit is what he goes over. In this article, Boyle references, I'm going to butcher this name, but Kuriganti et al., The bilateral limb deficit, BLD phenomenon, is the difference in maximal or near-maximal force generating capacity of muscles when they are contracted alone or in combination with the contralateral muscles. A deficit occurs when the summed unilateral force is greater than the bilateral force. End quote. Basically, what that means is the sum of strength between two limbs is higher than the strength performed. With both limbs together, bilaterally. So if you add up right leg plus left leg, what they can perform individually, that will be a larger number, a larger force output, a larger load moved than what you can do with a bilateral movement, in this case squats. So to put that into even a more specific training explanation, if you train a single leg split squat to max strength, the sum of weight lifted by both of your legs will be higher than the max strength of a back squat, a barbell back squat. Okay. So I am not making a claim for or against this simply showing the potential for unilateral work and the importance of unilateral work and the strength and functionality that can be gained in training unilateral work and balancing right and left discrepancies if someone has them. And also looking for the potential to of unilateral work to carry over into the strength gains of bilateral work unilateral training when loaded and prescribed properly may help to address and mitigate those discrepancies from side to side. That can, again, either happen through assessment of, you know, doing single arm uh, overhead press or single leg step-ups. If the right leg can perform a lot more reps than the left leg or even two more reps than the left leg, then we need to bring that left leg up. Um, That can happen through single leg unilateral training. Most people will have a stronger leg or arm, especially if they played a sport of some kind. It might be the same. It might be different. Unilateral work can sort that out pretty quickly by adding more reps or matching reps of the uh, strong side to the weak side. So whatever the weak side performs, you're going to perform that same amount on the strong side until that weak side comes up. It really is that simple. So that is all I have for this episode. Hopefully, you know, that was kind of a lot jumping around from, you know, what a back squat should be compared to a deadlift as well as side to side. Um, but hopefully you got something out of that, whether it was the balance of the hinging to squatting, to pushing, to pulling and carrying for a balanced program. And I only went over the ratios for females because that is who I've worked with. That is what I have researched. Um, but I imagine they are similar for males as far as being able to perform, you know, two to two and a half times body weight for back squat, so on and so forth. There are also ratios as far as like your back squat should be 80% of your deadlift. And that's where I said it can get murky with, kind of decide if you wanna go that route, as in back squat should be a certain percentage of deadlift. Deadlift should be the heaviest weight we can move. So then everything goes down from there. Uh, Back squat should be 80% of deadlift. Front squat should be 60% of, or excuse me, 80% of your back squat, so on and so forth down the line you can also research those. I cover both inside peer programming. So we go over those ratios as well as just what you should be able to move relative to your body weight, which is what we covered in this episode. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. If you are not on my main mailing list, I have two options, Annie's Daily Dose and Annie's Weekly Wisdom. They're both great. You can unsubscribe at any time. I am not here to hold you hostage. Go to anniemiller.co slash news and you will find exclusive podcast listener discounts at the bottom of every episode. Until next time, I am Annie Miller and thank you so much for tuning into the Fitzpro Podcast.